Hello, everybody, and welcome to Joyfully You podcast. Today, we have Caitlin Ann Marie with us today, and she is a business coach infusing the science of Ayurveda into growth strategies to help soul-inspired entrepreneurs launch and scale soul-aligned businesses. Her mission is to help women feel fulfilled, aligned, and abundant while doing the work that they love so that they can make more impact and income than ever before. And oh my gosh, doesn't that sound amazing? Caitlin, welcome to Joyfully You. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be talking about this. And heck yeah, it's exciting. Women should be making more impact and more income. Let's, let's do it. I'm excited to dive in and talk about that today. Yay. I'm, I love that. And I totally agree. I think that the world needs more money in the hands of women because there's this natural nurturing impact that we want to create. And so I'd love to hear like, how did you get started in this? I mean, Ayurveda and then bringing it into the business world is not a normal combo. So I'm so curious about your story. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. It's, um, it's quite a long journey and kind of the theme that I've always had with my business endeavors has been that it's always been something that has fallen into my lap and I call them accidental businesses. And what I mean by accidental business is, oh my gosh, it's here. I have clients. I better, you know, (laughs) get all the pieces in order. And so that had happened to me, um, a few times as I went into my entrepreneurial journey, but the first business that I accidentally started was a marketing business. And it came about because I had published a book. I got very good at marketing it. And before I knew it, I had about six clients within the first month having me do all their marketing and set up their campaigns and their strategies and things like that. And I did that for probably around five years. And I also had all these other endeavors, very creative. So any creative entrepreneurs out there probably resonate with this, but I had one business and also had probably 10 other businesses happening at the same time, but that was my consistent thing. And in the journey, um, what wound up happening was throughout life, I had these experiences of burnout, of anxiety, of health issues that weren't easily explainable by Western medicine. Most of the time, you know, I'd I'd come in, I had seizures at one point and the doctor was like, I have no idea what's happening. And uh, it sent me on the path of healing myself. So while I'm running this marketing business, I'm also going out and learning about yoga and I'm learning about Ayurveda. And I became a certified yoga teacher. And of course, those are sister sciences. So when you learn about yoga, you also learn about Ayurveda, whether you know it or not. And before I knew it, I started to find that I felt split in two. And I was like, oh, here's Katie, who's the, you know, the marketer. And here's Caitlin, who's in the yoga studio. And they're two different people, different circles, different networks. But what wound up happening was I'd have clients that were doing all the right things, all the right things and not getting the results. And this is really common. It's more common than I think we care to talk about where all the action steps are there or, you know, the strategy is right. Or, you know, I hired a business coach. Why am I not getting results? You're doing the right things, but they're not coming together. And the reason that I started to discover was that people were having this energetic imbalance 
with what we know in Ayurveda as the doshas. So they had too much fire or they had too much air or they had too much earth energy. And even though they were quote unquote doing the right things, they were getting stuck because their energy was being reflected into the business. So long story short, as short as it can be, um, you know, that's over the span of now six or seven years, I decided to open up doors to coaching business that infuses Ayurveda into business coaching. So we take a look at your energetic blueprint and your business's energetic blueprint. We find ways to harmonize them and to create consistency, sustainability. And, you know, I always hesitate to use this term and I'm sure you get this, but ease and flow, not necessarily that you're not showing up and not working, but that it gets to be easy in the sense of it's designed specifically for you. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I totally agree. I don't have any hesitation towards the desire for ease and flow or, or phrasing that. And so I'm so glad that you did bring that in. Um, and what a cool integration of the two worlds. That is so awesome that you've brought it together. I know for a lot of people listening that they've heard of Ayurveda or, you know, maybe they've heard it mentioned, whether that be with food or energy or whatever else. Can you explain to us a little bit more about the doshas and that fire energy and, and a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. And I think a great practice as you hear this is just noting what shows up for you because all three of the doshas exist within us. And there's going to be one that you relate to a bit more than others. Uh, maybe in different points of your life, you relate to one more than the other. But basic summary is that Ayurveda is a sister science of yoga. It's over 5,000 years old, and it takes into account the elements. And then they take the elements. There's five. There's air, ether, fire, water, earth. And they break them down into these combinations that are two elements into one dosha. So there's three doshas in total. And these doshas, you can consider them like mind-body types, but even that doesn't quite capture them because they're so multidimensional. So I can witness these mind-body types in me, but I can also witness the doshas in my food, in my daily routine. There are different elements that are in everything. Everything is energy, everything is medicine, everything is poison, everything is fire, water, air, ether. So the doshas, vata, pitta, kapha. Vata is air and ether. So just to give you an idea of what this looks like for a person, before we you know dive into business and all the other things, this again is like the simplest way to look at it and start dipping your toes in the water. A vata person is probably your friend who's like really airy. They have this fairy type of vibe about them. They're floating around on a cloud. They're dancing. They're singing. They, their physical build is likely that of a ballerina. They're maybe really tall like a model and thin, petite, or they're shorter. And this is the, uh, the characteristics of air and ether. They're light. They're kind of wiry. They move a lot. Um, they're very creative. They like to travel and they're also very thoughtful, innovative and thoughtful. I mean, by they have a lot of ideas, lots of ideas all the time. They have a new idea. They're very spontaneous. Um, and they're, they're a little wild. They're like the wild child of the group. 
<laughs> so imagine, imagine your friends. <laughs> oh my God. I have the exact girl in my mind. I'm like, oh my God, you're describing her. <laughs> I know we're as we're recording this we're on zoom so I'm like looking at your face and I'm like there's an aha moment there's a friend that she's thinking of (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) but again this can be relevant for you at a particular time um there are certain times of the day that each of the doshas resonate more with so like there's a certain time of day that you might feel more creative there's a certain time of day that you might feel more pitta so Pitta is the fire and water. Fire is the stronger of the two elements in the sense of like it makes up most of this dosha. So right off the bat, it's your fiery friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. They're, they're likely type A. They climb the corporate ladder. They're competitive. They're perfectionists. They um, They like to go to the gym probably. They work out. They they put on muscle pretty easily as well. Um, out of the three doshas, they're the type, the body type that's more of a medium build and like maybe has stronger shoulders. Um, you know, they're broader. They have, uh, if you look at their face, they have very, um, almost like sharp structure in the sense of like, maybe they have a sharper, uh, chin, they have a sharper cheekbone, um, jawline and, They also, again, this is fiery. So they're also, if you know any redheads or anybody with a more reddish tint to their skin or their hair, they have a good amount of pitta in them. Mm. I think that I have quite a bit of pitta and vata. And everyone in my family is red hair. Like I'm the only one that doesn't have red hair, but like anytime I, you know, it can go red or whatever else. And so that's so interesting that it even comes down to physical attributes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And so in regards to business, oftentimes, you know, being able to identify somebody's physical characteristics, this is really powerful. Like if you do social media marketing and you, um, you know, say your client process is, they DM you and you see their, their profile, you see their picture, you already know if this is a fiery person or an airy person. And again, these are, these are going to help you identify patterns for that person. So there's all kinds of like psychology behind this. Um, as a marketer, psychology is huge. Knowing your client in and out is huge. So again, I mean, you can use this in so many different ways. A lot of the times when you hear about Ayurveda, they're going to talk about food and nutrition. I am definitely more of a modernized approach to it. And again, this is because of my background of seeing how not only was it affecting people's minds and bodies, but also their businesses. And it kind of felt like there was this gap of like, there's a whole nother rabbit hole of Ayurveda. Let's dive in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Vata Pitta, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, <"Woo-hoo!" laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. I resonate with that so much. And that's so cool that you're like, okay, there's more here. We need to look at this. Why is no one looking at this? So we have Vata, we have Pita, and then there's a third one. Mm-hmm. What's the, the third, third one? is Kapha. So Kapha has such a, a special place in my heart because Kapha is earth and water they're your earthy friend. They're your, your nourishing friend. They're like the mother hen of the group. They're always checking in and, um, they're very profound space holders. I find, 
So a lot of healers are, are fairly Kapha. Um, physical attributes of Kapha is that they have really lustrous hair. They have smooth skin. They have this like radiant glow to them naturally. They're likely um, bigger boned. And it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're naturally Kapha, you're going to be overweight. It actually, it being overweight, and this is obviously a whole nother topic about like nutrition and lifestyle, but being overweight means a Kophic imbalance. It doesn't necessarily mean that Kophic is your, um, what's known as like your actual genetic blueprint, what you're born with. Um, but when you're born with it, likely you have stronger bones. You're, you're a bit denser, not only in like your physical, you have stronger skin, like thicker skin. Um, you also are more determined. You're more patient. You can take your time. You actually love to take your time and probably get a little frustrated if somebody's trying to rush you along. They also, um, they're incredible healers, right? So in the, in the spiritual community, they're like the medicine woman that is like incredibly wise, has a strong memory, um, you know, they're the person that they almost, what I see with them is they don't have to fit into the box of like typical marketing. Nobody does, but especially them, they actually, their work speaks for itself because they are such profound space holders. Um, what else about those kaffas? They oftentimes, the big imbalance that I see with their business is that they just can't get started. Mm. They're so grounded, so rooted. Um, so if you know the Zodiacs, and I often relate this to Taurus, even though I'm a Taurus and I don't have much Kapha in me because they're so, they're almost like stubborn in a way, not necessarily that this is meant to be a bad thing, but more so like change isn't easy on them. So working with their energy is even more important. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting because I'm sure like I'm listening to this and people listening to it, there is that, oh, well, I can see some of myself in that or I can see some of myself in that where it's interesting how you said we're all a blend of all three of the doshas um, and how it relates with business because that, that, that being so grounded, it's like a feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't move has come up many times uh, I've, uh, with, with the clients that I work with as well, where I always thought it was more of an analysis paralysis of like, I have so much information. I don't know how to take a step forward. So I'm curious mm-hmm. how you guide people when they are in that, can we, do we call it a kapha imbalance? Mm. So here's the the thing is that because we have all three of them in us and So for that particular challenge, that might even be a blend. That might be vata and kapha. Because when you think about it, analysis paralysis is often like you have so many thoughts and so many ideas that you actually don't know which one to go after. So it's actually more of a vata stuckness than it is kapha. Kapha is more like change change is just too much for me. Like um, they're more so like they don't know where to go because they also feel like they part of them doesn't really want to go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) 
that makes so sense. It's it's really interesting because it's very it really is multidimensional, right? Because these are in everything, and you know, we'll give a disclaimer. Don't let that scare you off from Ayurveda because it's actually the most empowering thing about it. I know that it sounds like, oh my gosh, there's it's everywhere and it could be this, but it could also be this. It's actually a really good thing. You know, I know that the analysis paralysis might come in and, and be like, well, it could be vata or it could be kapha or it could be this. And I don't know which one, you know, and, and it takes a while to really start to see all of these elements. They're not, they're not surface level. They're not. There's different characteristics to each of them. And so identifying this holistic vision of what's happening is really essential. Mm. Again, not one size fits all. The other thing is that there's, again, going into the psyche, there's different patterns that we create as individuals, right? So if you if you tend to be more of that vata and you have all these ideas and all this stuff, like when did you get burnt from having too many ideas? When did you feel not so great about having all these ideas or feel like a failure? Maybe you stepped forward with the wrong idea, right? Because that also comes into it. Mm. It can like hinder that trust within ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so cool that you're taking people on those deeper levels of like what's below this and what's below this. I'm sure that there's certain strengths that each dosha has in when it comes down to like having an authentic soul-based business. Um, I'm curious, like what... I guess, what's my question? I'm thinking of like, what advice would you have for this person who is more of the Vata energy um, if she's in the beginning stages of her business? Because that's a lot of the people that I that are in my community, they're, they're in the beginning stages and, or they have, or it's just started or they have this idea, you know, but it's still, <laughs> how perfect asking about the Vata first in the sense of it being like, there's ideas here and there. Um, <laughs> but I'm just curious how you would guide them. Yeah. Um, so that's actually one of the most common imbalances. And, and here's why, because there's a golden rule in Ayurveda that is like attracts like and opposites create balance. And so when you think about Vata and you think about like attracts like, Vata is movement, it's ideas, it's, it's creativity, it's innovation, it's movement, movement, movement. And how much of our lives and our culture and our society is about movement. We never stop, you know? So not only within you, do you have all these amazing ideas brewing, but then there's like the world around you that's like, okay, move, 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 do the things. And of course, part of that is like the fire, the type A, like you got to get things done type of thing. But additionally, it's, it's this restlessness that relates so much to Vata. So a lot of people actually have this coming up. And, you know, as we're recording this, I know here in New York, I'm, I'm still quarantined. Um, we're experiencing a, a global crisis. Um, you know, some places in the world are opening up, which is amazing. So bless you all. And hope you enjoyed the nature and great things here in New York. We're still in our homes. 
but this, this experience is also increasing Vata. So the pandemic, I would say is increasing Vata as well. So if you have it happening for you, don't feel like you're wrong or bad or a failure or broken or anything like that, because like attracts like, and you're not in control of the situations around you, but you are in control of the situations within you, your lifestyle, your daily routine. So oftentimes when you're starting your business, you have all of these ideas. You want to start like creating millions of courses. I see this all the time. People are like, I have this idea and that idea, and I'm going to start this course and I'm going to create this and I'm going to have that. And then I'm going to throw this workshop in there and I'm going to start what? doing this product. And blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I forget what the point was. <laughs> no, we'll call that multi-passionate Melissa. <laughs> multi-passionate Melissa is going buck wild with her ideas. And this is, you know what? The way I frame this is that This is beautiful because it proves to your mind that you will be able to do this for the rest of your life. Because it's going to take multi-passionate Melissa at least five years to launch all of those things. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Oh my gosh. I remember that was a hard thing for me in the beginning is narrowing down and being like, okay, this is the analogy that helped me is I can have all the cookies, but to really enjoy it, I'm going to slowly eat one at a time. Yes. I love cookie analogies. (laughs) Me too. It just makes them better. (laughs) Um, Let's go with the cookie analogy for multi-passionate Melissa because multi-passionate Melissa is seeing all these cookies out there and they all look good, but there's one that she's going to like the most. Maybe it's oatmeal raisin. Maybe it's double chocolate chip, but that's up to her. So the question here is, can you choose one cookie, <laughs> one offering, one product, whatever it is that you're looking to do, and just perfect the recipe of that? Mm. Just perfect the recipe of that. And know that all of these other opportunities are out there for you. All of these other courses and ideas you have are out there, but just ground yourself into this one. And that's the key word here is grounding yourself. So it's choosing one thing. And this is the hardest thing for multi-passionates because they want to do all the things and they have this scarcity around if I don't do all the things, then they all just disappear. They don't, they come back around and they come back even better. I've had ideas that were in my head for years. And when they finally came through and launched the roster filled immediately because it came out at the divine timing. So you have to trust that. And again, this comes back to grounding, trust, surrender, Right? That's why we love our kafas because they're so chill. They're hanging back. They're sitting by a tree and they're like, everything's fine. Let's just stay here for another 12 hours. <laughs> so vatas need kafas in their life. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing then that vata, probably one of the biggest things, the challenges is not following through because there's new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I experienced this over and over and over again, right? My accidental business, it started because I had no choice because I had six people asking me to do their marketing without me, you know, putting it out there. I didn't have a website the entire time I had this business. You will never be able to find this business because I never launched a website for it in five years. (laughs) It was marketing business. Why would I have a website? That's so bizarre. (laughs) 
That's hilarious. And that just goes to show it doesn't have to look a certain way. Like I have certain friends, they're like, oh my God, I have this amazing idea to teach people about this. And it's something they're really skilled in, but they're like, but I don't have a logo. I don't have a website. I'm like, oh my God, I want to pull my hair out. You don't need it. (laughs) It's all silliness. Like, you know, and so I had this conversation with a client today where she's like, everyone says you don't need a website. And now I feel like they need a website. And I'm like, yeah, you know, at some point get a website because it's going to make your life easier. Yeah. But that's really it. It's for you. It's for you to make your life easier rather than typing out the, you know, the description of everything you do every time you connect with somebody. Just send them to your website. It takes two seconds, but it'll take you a bit to set it up. So don't let that stop you if you haven't called in the client yet. You know, and this is the cyclical nature of business is you have to call in money. Otherwise, you don't have a business. And when you do call in money, you can invest in your business more and you can have even more of a business. <laughs> yeah. I like that you yeah. said that you need to call in the money. You need to like mm-hmm. declare and like own that, that money that you do want. Um, I think that there's sometimes hesitations around, oh, I don't want to have, because I, I heard one of my clients said this to me. I was like, oh, I don't want to have expectations. And they're like, well, what's the difference between setting goals and having expectations? And so I went on this whole thing, but I'm curious, like what your perspective is when you're guiding people through their business. Ooh, I love that question. It's kind of, it's, it really got me. Cause I was like, that's so like, huh, where's that balance? And it's almost like the, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So here's the like yogi in me. But also I'm going to come in with some fire after. So (laughs) (laughs) non-attachment, aparigraha is the Sanskrit word for it. And it's the practice of not being attached to external circumstances because we have no control over those things. So if we attach any part of our worth or our vision to the external circumstances of having 12 clients or whatever it might be, then all your eggs are in that basket. And actually it closes you off from the opportunities that could be available, right? I've had plenty of launches where I was like, oh, I'm going to have, you know, this amount of people. And I wound up having maybe what, like two or three less than that. But I wound up getting a client in a different area of the business that was more than the amount that those three people I thought I wanted would have been. And I didn't prepare for that. I didn't expect it. But that's the beauty of not being attached Because if that person came in and I was attached to having people in this program, she would have gone in the wrong program. She wouldn't have gotten the results. And I actually wouldn't have been as successful in the long run. So that's how I look at it is non-attachment. But simultaneously, there is the need to continue to stretch into the next version of you. So set a stretch goal. So like every time I launch, I'm like, okay, my my minimum of what I want is going to be 12. My, my stretch goal is 30, <laughs> whatever the numbers might be. And every day, show up and do your best. Do your best every single day. You cannot predict the future. You know, you cannot predict the life circumstances or the world circumstances, right? In the pandemic. I never predicted this. I don't think anybody else, well, maybe some people did. There's a few movies about this. Um, (laughs) I'll take that back. (laughs) Well, I sure as hell wasn't expecting it or planning for it. It's been 
it's been a beautiful process of surrender. Exactly. Exactly. And I saw, you know, the most successful businesses at this time pivoted. They didn't attach to their expectations. They said, okay, now I'm just going to lean into my entrepreneurial power and be innovative. And that's the beauty of it. Show up every day, do your best where you're at with what you have and great things will happen. Beautiful. It's this or better. Mm-hmm. This or better. That's one of my favorite affirmations. Like, okay, if not this, something better. Same. And I really like that you have, you know, this is my, this is my like commitment goal and this is my stretch goal. So it gives you a little bit of that room. I do the same thing. I do like a good, better, best goal, but I also have to recommit at times where, when I've noticed like for different launches that I've done where I'm like, Oh my God, my goal is like 30. And then it's getting closer. I'm like, Oh, there's five and it's getting closer. Oh, there's okay. So I'm going to applaud myself for being audacious and ambitious but at first it was, it was uh, like this moment of, oh, am I failing? And it's like, no, these are human beings. And each one of these, I get the honor of working with. Um, and I think that that brings us back into our heart of the connection because there is a balance of like, yeah, there's a certain level of organization with numbers and numbers are great. Numbers are tools. Numbers help us see things and growth and all that. But it comes down to the connection of it. It comes down to like that, that human to human connection. I love how you mentioned that the, the client still showed up, but in other areas that was best for them. That's, and it's such a game of, of trust, right? It's trust and belief that, oh, it's going to work out. If not this, something better. Exactly. Yeah. And um, gosh, you said something so great there and I wanted to expand on it and now it's totally out of my brain. <laughs> There goes the vata. Vata's totally increased because we're talking so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you had said that you set the goal of like good, better, best. And then, you know, if if they come great and if they they don't, if maybe it's five instead of 30, just applaud yourself. And that's, you know, a great way of acknowledging what you did do. Because if you're so hard on yourself about what you didn't do, then that's all you're focusing on. But if you acknowledge what you did do, and you can also like take a look at it and say, okay, this is what I did do. And this is the best I did, what I have, where I was. And now I'm here a little bit further ahead. And I can look back and say, oh, maybe if I did this at this time, or maybe if I had this strategy or this approach or this mindset, it would have turned out differently. And then trial and error, play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it's, it's, a, it's doing that and not letting guilt come in. Right. And it, and I think that for me, if I think of, Oh, I'm so grateful. I know this now I'm so grateful. I've learned this. It keeps me from going down a guilt or regret or a, why didn't you know this? Because I still, I have a lot of PETA in me, that perfectionist side. And I remember the first time someone said, Hey, like you're kind of a perfectionist. I was like, I don't do anything perfect. I was just like, Oh my God. That's something a perfectionist would say. And it was this thing of like being so oblivious to that type A personality that is is a little bit a part of me because I'm like, well, I'm not an organized person. I don't really like structure. I want to just be by the beach. And so it was, it, but it still comes through that, that internal drive where like I, I get in competition with myself, not really other people. So I'm curious how you guide that pizza, you know, when they're going through their business or when they're starting their business, 
Um, what are some things that normally come up for that dosha? Mm. Well, pittas, when they're starting their business, what I find is that they, they want to do it on their own. So I actually wind up working with pittas after they've been doing it on their own for a bit. That's the pattern that I see with them. Um, and again, not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, I observe patterns. <laughs> One of the things that I'm good at doing. <laughs> Is it the scientist in you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the strategist of like, oh, okay, interesting. You know, and, and also I have a background of um, studying behavior. I worked with uh, people with disabilities and special needs for a long time. So um, understanding the psyche and understanding behaviors is something that just fascinates me. So I've always found that like the really, really picked up people will come along a bit later. And, and because they're so hard on themselves, I find that they actually, and this is like the heartbreaking part of it, is that they make it mean something bad about them when they ask for help. Mm. And that I think is the part that needs to be brought into awareness is that it's okay to ask for help. And in fact, when you ask for help or you get mentorship or you get support in any way, you hire staff or whatever it might be, you're actually doing a service for yourself, for your clients, for the people in your life, right? Like when you have somebody helping you, you save more time. You don't have to DIY it, right? You don't have to learn the hard way and like, put the square peg in the round hole a million times before you figure out that they don't fit together. <laughs> mm-hmm. But somebody gets to, to show you, Hey, I've been here before and I see what's happening for you. And, and what if you did it this way instead? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I had a business for five years before I hired a mentor. I am Pitta. If you have not seen what I look like, I am Pitta. FYI. <laughs> Red, reddish hair, <laughs> freckles. <laughs> and, you know, and, and also I had no idea what it looked like to hire a coach. This is, you know, a long time ago. And, you know, coaching wasn't such a booming industry. We didn't have as much awareness of what it was possible, what it was capable of doing. Um, so Pitta's what often happens is that they are trying to put that square peg in the round hole and they're kind of like hitting their heads against the wall. They've actually like backed themselves into a corner by the time they actually reach out for support. And it's one of those things where it's like for pittas, they get to this point where they're like, oh, I should hire a mentor now. And it's actually, you should have hired a mentor like a year ago, probably. <laughs> or I should hire an assistant now. Yeah, you should have done that like six months ago, but it's okay. You're doing it now. And so one part of it is compassion, forgiveness, and um, an imbalance shown up in like the emotional um, elements of pitta is like frustration and anger. And, and again, oftentimes this isn't like they're crazy people and they're screaming off their balcony and cursing out the mailman, but that they are angry with themselves. Yeah. It's an internal frustration and anger. Yeah, definitely. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, wow, I feel like the, the profile, the avatar, if you will, of majority of my clients is in this pita stage of the frustration and the biggest healing, the biggest aspects of healing and energy being able to move around has come from forgiveness. I know for me, forgiveness changed my life. And I didn't even know I had, I didn't even know I needed, I didn't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. It's like a kind of a a pita thing of like, 
I know everything. I know. Of course I know. Yep. I remember in high school, <laughs> I remember in high school, someone saying, why do you keep replying with, I know you don't. And I'm like, huh, I have a habit of it. I've ingrained in my mind that I know, I know. Um, but the, the forgiveness part is so huge. And I like how you mentioned too, like frustrations, not someone being crazy. Like one of my clients said that she realized so much of the stuff in her shoulders was because she was constantly frustrated with people around her, but it was that silent, like, you know, but like not expressing it. So then her body was holding on to it. Um, ah, this is just so cool too, because yes, there's the physical elements of the well-being, but then how that reflects into our business. You know, I feel like the frustration that we'd have with ourselves can, that frustration or anger when liberated, liberates everyone else that that fiery person is around. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is that it's also, this is a societal conditioning, like a cultural, um, you know, uh, a pressure to be Pitta, right? Like we put the Pitta on the pedestal in the sense of like, they get everything done. They're so organized. They're so perfect, blah, blah, blah. And so you might not, you know, a lot of you who are listening, you might not be like your genetic blueprint is you're predominantly Pitta, but that there's conditioning that you should be. And so this also relates to people pleasing. And how far is that going to get you in your business? Mm, Okay. I want to hear more. Like, because <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is a big topic that I talk about all the time that a lot of the people that listen really, really resonate with is this desire to please and not being true to ourself out of like kind of a fear of rejection and not, I don't think that it's intentional for a lot of people. It wasn't intentional for me, but once I realized I was doing it, it was very empowering. But I'd love to hear how people pleasing manifests from this, um, we'll call it pita pressure, right? Pressure to be more of that boss, babe, gold digger, you know, whole thing. Mm. Mm. Juicy topic. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the listeners are probably like, let me pause right here so I can just like wash the dishes and then I'll come back and I'm going to be all in on this conversation. Another for other people are like, I just turned the volume way up. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a huge conversation because like, especially for women, I mean, we could probably do like three more podcast episodes just on this, but for women particularly, I mean, how much pressure do we have to satisfy other people above ourselves and even other women? You know, uh, I, I remember being in high school and being like, oh, I have to wear makeup. What? I have to wear makeup? Why? So somebody else can look at my face and be satisfied. Wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. You know, and there's so many different dimensions of how this shows up. So again, compassion. Um, and I struggle with this too, you know, new level, new devil. Like I'm, I'm hiring another employee and I'm, I'm sitting here like, well, I hope she likes it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I'm paying somebody. <laughs> I like what they're doing. <laughs> but this is how deep the programming goes. It's, and it doesn't really make sense when we really break it down. 
people pleasing is an act of satisfying other people over yourself, even though you are the only person on this planet that you have to constantly listen to <laughs> and constantly feel the emotions of. You're the only person on this planet that you're going to be looking through the eyes of. And when you are people pleasing, you're losing your boundaries, right? Oftentimes we completely negate our own boundaries. We forget they even exist. We drop them and we open the doors up wide for anyone to walk in with their dirty feet without wiping them on the mat beforehand. Mm. We set intentions and we set loving boundaries. And this is something I say all the time because often we get caught up on like, boundary is such a hard thing. It's such a like tough structure, blah, blah, blah. A loving boundary, when you think about it from this perspective, is actually going to, again, be a service for other people. Because when, I'll use myself as an example, when I hire somebody into my business, and I'm not worrying about if they like my business or not, but I'm focused on, are they going to be able to show up and know what they're doing? Are they going to be able to, you know, complete tasks? then I can show up and give them directions. But if I'm worrying if they actually like the position or not, I haven't even given them directions of how to do it. So how are they even going to know if they like the position? How are they even going to know if they're good at it? And then how does that make them feel when they can't show up and do good? It's just perpetuating this awful cycle of people feeling crappy because they're not making other people happy. So if you make yourself happy, you're actually cutting off the lifeline of this terrible cycle that we're all trapped in. It is not only liberating you, but it's liberating other people, your employees, your clients, your your boss, your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your partner, right? We can set ourselves free and set others free as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned how people talk about how hard the boundaries are, but sometimes they aren't. I feel like our inner wisdom is pretty loud. I think that we're just really good at ignoring it to get that love. And that's kind of where my niche of self-love starts to creep in of we, if we aren't giving the love to ourselves, of course, we're going to try and get it from someone else. And a lot of it's habits. I don't, you know, it's not who we are. It's just, we've been seen it. We saw it from our family, from our parents, from our aunts, from our uncles. And then all of a sudden we start repeating it. And sometimes we get positive reinforcement from it. Of like, oh, you're so thoughtful. Oh, thank you so much for doing anything for me. Or, oh, I couldn't live, you know, those words of affirmations or whatever else. But at the end of the day, being a doormat doesn't support anyone. And I say that harshly because I, like, I totally have been there too, you know, where I realized, oh my God, I let that person walk all over me. And it's, it was almost freaked me out because I didn't realize I was doing it till after. But of course, you know, power of reflection. That's why it's there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like you were saying before, observing it and not like taking on the shame of it, but literally just being like, okay, good to know. I, I could have set a boundary earlier, but I didn't know at that point. And now I know better. Yeah. Now I'm committed to myself and I'm going to do better. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all about the doshas and, and the details and the depths below that that has to do with business and stuff. It's so interesting. And 
like you said, I feel like I could ask you like a thousand and one questions and it could be its whole other podcast. But as it goes, we're going to start to wrap it up. But I would love to hear like, is there anything on your heart that you're like, oh, I really want to share this before we go? Um, or any anything that's coming up around, you know, the doshas that you'd like to share? Mm. You know, there's one other thing that I always make sure to say that I actually didn't say yet. <laughs> I think Perfect. I touched on it, but um, there is a quote that goes back to like my alma mater when I, I studied Ayurveda is everything is either medicine or poison. So your boundaries can be medicine or poison, right? Looking at it as a structure and a bad thing, it's poison. Looking at it as a loving boundary that sets you free and other people free, it's medicine. Having 20 cups of coffee a day, poison. Sip of coffee, wakes you up, medicine. So do your best to just acknowledge that um, and remember like attracts like and opposites create balance. So the practice of self-diagnosing and self-healing, whether it be in your business to heal any kind of business imbalance that you might have, or whether it be in your, your own body and mind, when you find the thing that's similar to it, it's going to increase it. When you find the thing that is the polar opposite, it's going to bring balance. Mm. There's medicine all around you. You always have the power to heal whatever area of your life you wish to. And you always have the power. Period. Period. I feel like people listening are going to be like, just skip back 15 seconds, pause it, write that down, digest it, dive into it. Because those questions really are so profound. You know, of like what, ha- what ha- once was medicine that has now become poison? Or what is something that felt like poison that's now become medicine? You know, uh, that those questions are so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing those. Yeah, yeah thank you yeah. for acknowledging them. And thanks for giving me a microphone to, to share the wisdom of Ayurveda with your, yes. your audience, your amazing community. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm so excited to share this. I actually mentioned to a couple of friends. I sent your Instagram profile to a couple of friends because I was like, I'm interviewing this girl on Ayurveda business. And they've always learned about Ayurveda and the nutrition side, but they're both starting their business. So I was like, well, you may go I'm check her out. Um, one yeah, thing I like, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so I'm excited. Um, <laughs> One thing that I always like to ask people at the end of um, uh, the podcast is to complete the sentence. So, self-love is. Mm. Really simple, but the first word that came to my mind is trust. Mm. Love it. Self-love is trust. Self-love is trust. Amen, sister friend. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So how can people stay in touch with you? How can people work with you? What's the deets? Oh, yeah. Well, like you said, I'm on Instagram. I love Instagram. It's my favorite platform. And I'm always posting stuff about Ayurveda and the doshas. So you just got your toes dipped in the water today. If you want to dive deeper, definitely follow me on Instagram Caitlin Ann Marie underscore. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a private community for 
like-minded, so inspired women. So if you're starting your business, you have your business, you think you might have a business in the future, then Soulpreneur Sisterhood on Facebook is the spot. Come jam out with us. We have a lot of fun in there. And ways to work with me. I have a bunch of different opportunities. So really just, you know, we've got group programs, one-to-one retreats. Um, I've got staff of expert coaches. I've got, you know, programs, whether you're starting or you're expanding and we run them a few times a year. So definitely connect with me and, you know, we'll leave a link for you so you can just apply and we'll find the right fit for you. If you want more support, I would be honored to help anybody in this community because I already know that you are powerful, beautiful women and ready to make a positive impact in the world. And that is what I'm all about. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Me too. Me too. Well, thank you so much. And you guys, all the show notes has those links for everything that you need. Um, And it's been such a joy having you on Joyfully You podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you guys for tuning into another episode. I hope you enjoyed this, this episode and interview today with Caitlin and Marie, and I will see you guys on the next episode.